Hello and welcome to the Learn Medical Art podcast where we share our tips, tricks and advice on the medical illustration and animation industry. I'm Emily Holden, a medical illustrator and animator. And I'm Anna Campbell, also a medical illustrator and animator. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode and more educational content such as industry interviews, tutorials and more at www.learnmedical.art. So Annie, what are we discussing today? Well, Emily, time management is a thing that many people struggle with, but it's a really important soft skill that we all need to have at some point or another in our careers. And it's something that I wanted us to discuss today because I think there are some tips and tools to help people manage their time more effectively. And we also have a very special guest with us to help us in our discussion today, and that's Paul Kelly, a senior biomedical communication specialist from the Toronto Video Atlas of Surgery, also known as TVA Surge, who has a big interest in time management and has some really great tips for how you can optimize your time to work effectively. Welcome to the Learn Medical Art Podcast, Paul. Yeah, we're so delighted to have you here. Do you want to tell our audience a little bit about yourself, Paul? I'd love to, Annie. Uh, thank you both so much for giving me this opportunity to join you guys today. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of your work. I've been following you guys for a while now, and I love what you've been doing. For our wonderful audience out there, my name is Paul Kelly, and I work at the Toronto Video Atlas of Surgery, also known as TVA Surge in Toronto, Canada. I graduated from the Biomedical Communications, or BMC, program at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, and I've been fortunate to work in both the textbook illustration market and surgical education using video and 3D animation. I love working as a professional medical illustrator, and ever since I started my career, I've been somewhat obsessed with time management. (laughs) (laughs) And for our listeners, Paul has his own podcast called The Medical Illustration Podcast, and it's available on SoundCloud. Now, In his podcast, Paul talks about the history of medical illustration, interviews a lot of cool people in the medical illustration field, as well as different fields of art and design. Definitely check it out. We'll add the link to his podcast in the show notes, so make sure you tune in and never miss an episode. So let's get started. Okay, so let's talk about time management. It affects everyone. If you're a freelancer, you need to go to time manage your own projects, admin tasks, and marketing so that you can maintain or even grow your business. Clients will ask you how long it'll take things and, and you need to be able to give them an answer. Yeah, definitely. And if you own your own company and run a team of other artists, time management is incredibly important. Your time is really limited and you need to know what people are spending their time on because you need to make sure that your whole studio is making enough money to pay everyone's salary and actually make it a profitable business. Exactly. And if you're a manager, you need time management skills for scheduling projects and booking out time for artist assignments. So when you get a project for the studio, The project manager's job is to schedule all the milestones that will take them to that deadline. But time management isn't just for freelancers, managers, and CEOs. It's also very important to have really good time management skills as a production artist because you need to be able to give projections on how long things will take. Yeah, definitely. Essentially, we're saying that time management affects (laughs) everyone. And many junior artists struggle with time management for a couple of reasons. The main reason is that they're not able to estimate how long it'll take them to actually complete a task probably because they've not got any experience in it. There can always be a problem if you completely underestimate the time you're going to take on a project and you've promised an unrealistic deadline to your manager or your client. And that's okay. We're going to go through a few tips to try and help you with that. There's a lot of great resources out there for time management. There's books, podcasts, and YouTube. So let's not reinvent the wheel here. I think it would be great to discuss a few reflections about time management because we've been working professionally and maybe we can share some stories about how we've managed time 
time in tough situations. That sounds really great. So Paul, I'll let you take it away. Well, thanks, Emily. I think maybe the best place to start when it comes to time management is this whole idea of multitasking. Most people know how challenging, but also how important it is to manage your time wisely. They also likely appreciate how important it is to focus. Many job applications list the ability to multitask as an expectation, but the reality is multitasking is a lie. What? No. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't exist. You can only ever really do one thing at a time. Oh, okay. <laughs> this, <laughs> okay. This is the first thing we need to clear out of the way in a discussion about time management because this is the number one time and efficiency killer. It's also where I'm horribly guilty of failing repeatedly. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Us <Yeah>. too. <laughs> you know, I think what employers really mean when they say they need you to be able to multitask is they need you to be able to rapidly respond to random interruption. And I challenge employers to edit their job applications to say this explicitly. <laughs> random interruptions are a reality of work. They aren't going away. So how do you stay productive when you have to perform in an environment that doesn't always support focused work? Yeah. So let's let's talk about random interruptions that inevitably happens throughout the day. Being able to manage this effectively it is a soft skill that everyone needs to learn. And I think some people struggle with what multitasking really is. For us, each of our team members are juggling two or three projects at the same time. And we all have time blocks on when we should be doing work for each project. Now, the important thing to remember uh, for ourselves is that the time we've blocked out for a particular project is the time we need to focus on that project and nothing else. It means that if a client or colleague comes in with a last minute request, we can't just drop what we're doing to fulfill that request. Because if we did do that throughout the day, it means that all of these small interruptions add up and we're losing time and focus on the projects we're actually blocked out time for. So we're wasting production time and, and actually money and we do risk losing quality in our work because we're essentially not giving ourselves enough time to focus. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of this, we're allowing other people to pull our focus away because maybe we just want to be polite, even <laughs> if it's a detriment to ourselves the project, you know, and that's not right. I'm definitely guilty of that when the clients will be, and I'm like, oh, it'll be so quick. Okay. And I really yeah. want to make them happy. Yeah. And it just spirals out of control. <laughs> not so much now, but earlier on <laughs> in my career, when I was, especially when I was freelancing and just starting out, I just felt like I should be doing everything at all times. And yeah. it just can't really work that way. <laughs> yeah. We, we've all been there. For sure. <laughs> Definitely. So how can we combat that? The first thing is to focus on the task at hand when you're multitasking and don't do anything else. If someone comes to you with a last minute request or when you're working on something else, your response to that will have to be, I need to see where I've got free time in my schedule to fulfill that request. So rather than be like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do that now. It's super quick. <laughs> you tell them, well, I've actually got some time on Friday to take a look at this and properly answer you. So I'll get back to you then. And this allows you to get back and focus on the work that you've scheduled yourself to do. And once you've completed that, then you can address any other requests that kind of trickle through during the week. Yeah, exactly, Emily. And by saying that, you're letting them know that their request has been received and you've given them a timeline on when to expect things. Now, they will push back. They always push back and they always say, oh, it's a really quick turnaround. It shouldn't take you more than five minutes, which is something we've heard many, many times before. And in reality, it never just takes five minutes. <laughs> you know, you got to get in the zone. <laughs> you got to be like, okay, what am I looking at? If someone does say something like that to you, then you can just say, that's totally fine, but I'm stretched pretty thin today. That's why I've blocked out time on Friday to focus on your request. 
and then you know it's it kind of stops them from trying to wiggle wiggle some room out yeah. of you <laughs> perhaps yeah. like the actual production time might be like five to ten minutes but then it's the whole like packaging it up sending it along sending the email everything kind yeah. of adds up and emails are definitely something that suck time out of your day many people have their emails open on one screen and then they get interrupted throughout the day by emails streaming in and these are all little mini interruptions but you can manage them by allocating specific time slots throughout your day to address emails. For me, I check my emails once in the morning and again, maybe around 3 p.m. Kind of after that, I can't do anything. <laughs> so it's going to be 5 p.m. Yeah, soon yeah. and like, I, can't, I can't check them again. I don't normally check it throughout my day because I know that it will interrupt my scheduled project time. And even if I'm not spending my time actually actively replying to people, having an email that pops up can be very distracting and it kind of is like niggling thought in the back of my mind. And it means that I'm just not giving my 100% to the tasks I'm actually working on. Yeah, these are great examples of how to manage external factors. You know, sometimes these requests are something we can make happen, but Sometimes it's just plain unreasonable. I'm glad you brought up emails, Emily, because I think many people would agree that's one area that can be particularly tough to manage time-wise. And I love the way you describe setting aside dedicated time for email management. And I totally agree. That's quite similar to the system I use. I try to avoid answering emails randomly as they come in, as enticing as that may be, but it's easy to get carried away with a response or checking out something cool you've been sent. And then all of a sudden you look at the clock and, oh no, where did the time go? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's a tip I'd like to share that has saved me a lot of time when it comes to emails. And that's this. Separate email engagement from email sorting. In the 99U book, Managing Your Day-to-Day, the authors suggest not jumping on email first thing in the morning because it can rob you of an otherwise productive part of your day. More on that later. I agree with this. I usually push email engagement where I'm reading through them and responding to folks to later in the day. But to appease my desire to see what's in my inbox, I will go in and label the emails as they come in so I know what really needs attending to later. Gmail has a great labeling feature, and by using this, I quickly sort through the emails that don't need my immediate attention, and I identify the ones I think are important to respond to later. This way, in the meantime, I can start to think about what I want to say in that email when I do get to it, and I spend less time deliberating over how best to phrase my responses. That's a great idea. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I can now look at my emails in the morning. Well, I'm an, I'm a morning person, Ebel. It tells me what I need to do a little bit. But <laughs> you know, I think I might do that so I can just close off the emails and start adding things to my checklist so I don't have any just unread emails in my inbox because they tend to pile up for me because I have about 800 or something ridiculous there. No, not 800. I think I'm in the double figures, not triple. Okay. <laughs> Over Christmas it did reach triple figures and it was quite it was quite no. a lot. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Another thing that saves me a lot of time when emailing or thinking about how to phrase responses are email templates. Mm. Uh, Gmail has a really nice function that allows you to save email templates for common email responses. It saves me a lot of time. And even if the template that I have isn't exactly what I need, I can easily adapt it for exactly mm. what I do need at the time. It just gives me that nice framework and cuts a lot of time out my day. Let's go back to managing external factors. Yeah, I, I like that tip. You know, I should also mention here too that the different systems we're talking about are systems that we have found work well for us. And I think that's important mm -hmm. to point out to folks is that try different things hear what people are saying and see what works for you. There's not necessarily a one size fits all solution. 
the ideas that we're presenting are finding ways to manage your emails in a way that's going to save you time. Exactly. That's great. Very well put. But yes, circling back to managing external factors, I think you have to become comfortable with saying no sometimes. And this can be difficult, especially when you're saying it to your boss. Yeah, but you need to let people know if their requests conflicts with something that's important for their project or their business. As a production artist or a project manager, if your boss asks you to do something, you can let them know if this request will take time away from a certain client project. And you can say, are you okay with this? You know, where in the schedule should I make up for this lost time? If things are going to be pushed back, who's going to be responsible in telling the client? And this kind of opens up a dialogue between you and your boss or you and your project manager. You kind of become a collaborative team member where you're trying to find a win-win solution for everyone. And it stops you from being a yes person and putting too much strain on yourself and on the project schedules, which I'm sure your project manager will appreciate so that things aren't being pushed back and not delivered. <laughs> and, yeah, your, and your boss will appreciate it as too, because it means that you're thinking about the company as a whole and how it functions. With clients, these small requests can easily steer the project away from its original goals. Mm. I think often what happens is that clients will get really excited as they start to see things come together. And as they see this process unfolding, they get inspired with new ideas. I think it's important in client management to bring them back to the first set of ideas that they started the relationship with, remind them of their primary objective, and evaluate with them if their current request is in line with that original goal. Often what we'll find is saying no to one cool little tweak can actually be saying yes to a better end result. Yeah, exactly. As the experts that are being hired, we need to keep focus on the big picture of the project goals. We have really enthusiastic clients, which is really great, but we can't do everything all at once. So we need to help them to prioritize what's important and what's not important, as well as meet what's been outlined in the contract. So let's talk about time tracking. It's a really useful exercise to evaluate where your time is going. Companies do this to see where they're spending their money, but also individuals do this as well. For me, I only started to seriously track my time when I was a freelance artist because as a freelancer, time equaled money. So I felt like I needed to have a good grasp of where I was spending my time in my business. But what about you, Paul? When did you start time tracking? So I actually started time tracking during grad school. That's when I started the habit of tracking the hours I was spending on different assignments, especially my master's research project. Oh. And I've continued to do this since graduating. Uh, this is perhaps my most important technique for time management, because as Tony Robbins says, you can't manage what you don't measure. I think if you want any sort of control over how you spend your time, you have to be able to predict how long it's going to take to do something. And the only way you're going to know that is if you keep records. So I've tracked my time for when I'm creating an image. And now I have an idea of how long I'll need for research and ideation, how long it takes for me to produce a tight sketch. I even have some idea of how long it takes for me to color things, as silly as it sounds. It, this helps me break up my production into smaller milestones. And so when I'm working on an image, I'll say to myself, okay, Annie, you just got to get through these three hours of research and then and concepts and, th and then you can move on and make it all look pretty. Okay, you just got to just bear with it and just do it. And and this really stops you from jumping around and losing focus or jumping jumping ahead, you know, because if you're anything like me, I want it to look beautiful immediately right off the bat. And then you kind of forget all about the research stuff. Yeah, I think of time tracking is not just an activity, really. It's a mindset. The foundation for my time tracking mindset has come from life drawing. 
And this is where we always warm up with these short gesture poses. And then as the evening progresses, we'll move on to longer poses. Now, drawing to these timed poses has taught me what can be accomplished in a short amount of time, because sometimes those quick gesture drawings are some of the best ones you ended up with at the end of the night. And then this serves as a good record for yourself to learn how to project forward in time and set expectations. You don't have to go to life drawing, though, to do this. You can just set a stopwatch on your phone and time yourself doing warm up sketches. It's really just that easy. But then, of course, you need to record that information. And for professional work, I've tried a few different time tracking apps. The one I've settled on using, even though it's a little dated, is Office Time, mainly because it's a one time purchase. It works across multiple devices and it's browser independent. But I also do use Google Calendar quite a bit. Other time tracking apps that have helped us, I think, in the past have been used Toggle quite a bit. And there's other ones like Harvest. And even Notion has a function where you can send yourself notifications on like when things should be completed by. I've always got a to-do list up and it's always tagged with a time against it. So it reminds me throughout the day and sends me a notification when I need to actually either send stuff or have stuff completed. Like the goal of time tracking isn't to add more pressure onto yourself to complete tasks within a certain time frame. So mm. say, you know, I want to complete this image in two hours. Like that's that's not what we're trying to say. Like what Paul was saying earlier, the goal of time tracking is to evaluate how long it takes you to do certain tasks. This allows you to look back and reflect on your progress. And you can use this as a starting point for an improvement. And then you can see what areas you can speed up or slow down. I think anything that's adding stress to your working day is not going to help. <laughs> it's completely <laughs> counterproductive. <laughs> so definitely any kind of unrealistic alarm bells to yourself <laughs> or anything aggressive probably isn't going to be the best way to move forward with it. Yeah. Actually, there's a book, a great book called Eat That Frog, which is all about time management. And one yeah. of the things the author mentions in that book is that Oftentimes, when people are working under a deadline, it can reduce quality because they get so stressed out. So mm -hmm. deadlines and time tracking are useful tools, but you don't want the tool to overtake you and you know dominate your, your thoughts too much. That brings us nicely to projecting time. Let's talk about visualizing time using what some people have referred to as the time blocking method, uh, using weekly calendar layouts. And this is a great in digital formats like Google Calendar because you can also use the Google Calendar features to set reminders for yourself. Now, this is a form of time visualization we're all familiar with. Through trial and error, I've found this method is best for planning how I want to spend my time. And then an app like Office Time or Toggle or Harvest are best at recording how my time was spent because that's going to allow me to get more precise. One of the things I like about these time tracking apps, as opposed to just the calendar entries, is that I can separate the entries out into projects, tasks, and make notes to further clarify what I was doing. So I can get more granular that way. The more data you have, the further you can take your analysis. Now, what office time is not so great at is the visualization part. To manage large productions with distant but solid deadlines, I need to break it down into smaller, more manageable pieces and know how to place them in order that makes sense. An example for those of you unfamiliar with the format is known as a Gantt chart, which is a project management technique for tracking progress of a project. Gantt charts aren't tied to any one app. You can even make them using Google Sheets, and the newest update of Notion has included them as well. 
Gantt charts are still popular and they're a great way to visualize time in a more dynamic way. Yeah, definitely. It's always my kind of preferred way of setting my time up because I just, I am a visual person and if it's not laid out directly in front of me and I can see what's overlapping where everything is, then I get very confused because Mm. just writing dates on a piece of paper or looking at random dates in a Google calendar just doesn't work for me. So as a company, we use Float as our kind of company-wide project managing Gantt chart. And we've got a paid subscription to it and we're able to block out our team members for pretty much the whole year, which is really, really helpful. Yeah, definitely. And do you know what? The reason we have the paid option was that Emily and I were tracking how much time we were putting into making manual GAN charts. <laughs> Such a long time. <laughs> it was just so much time wasted, like cutting and pasting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it could just take us like a whole day of cutting and pasting. And it was time that we could actually spend on paid projects. So mm-hmm. let's just be honest, scheduling is the least fun part of the week for me. (laughs) Maybe it's just for me, but I think like having any kind of tool that I can like subscribe to that genuinely helps, then I'm totally happy to invest in that. So we needed to find a tool that kind of gave us back that lost time on this particular admin task. And Float was a great option. We didn't just make a purchasing decision out of thin air. We used time tracking to validate our reasonings for buying things. Paul, let's go back to Gantt charts because it's a project management tool for managing larger projects, which is something that you can do. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the 3D animation productions you've managed? Yeah, sure thing. You know, it can be difficult to communicate to those who haven't really worked in 3D that 3D animation involves separate stages or phases of production. And many of these feed directly into one another, but most of them can actually be worked on independently out of sequence. And this is great because it means several team members can tackle an animation simultaneously. It also means you need to stay organized and track multiple moving targets. You can easily get lost in any one of these chunks. So it's helpful to pull back and look at the big picture often. And this is where a company-wide Gantt chart can really help. But sometimes, even when you've planned everything out for the next couple of months, client will still come and use the last minute request to ask for a short video of their conference or submission deadline. And this can affect the whole production. Through experience, we learned at TVA Surge to use our schedules and organizational tools to help us predict when clients would come to us with these last minute requests. So knowing what field they're in, we decided to look up their conferences and their submission deadlines. And then we planned those videos out in advance. We found that by planning out the conference videos, They were no longer a separate rush job. They were essentially a rough draft or just a shorter version of a future site video. Very smart. Smart, smart, Very, very smart. Yeah, just, just by asking more questions and taking the initiative to look up these association websites, we were better able to anticipate what cases to focus on and prioritize for the upcoming conferences. Of course, this strategy can't always work for every request because you don't always know what's coming. And, you know, we still get last minute requests all the time. Probably never going to go away. (laughs) But sometimes we can make it happen. Sometimes it's just unfeasible. In those instances when we just can't make it work, we explain that a full video with animation won't be something we can do given the time constraint. So instead, we offer alternative options. We've actually done a handful of videos with no 3D animation, just footage and some simple graphics in After Effects, and that will cover the rush job. They may not be what the client had hoped for, but it's a fair compromise. Yeah, it's great tip. And it's really effective time management as well, as you're also managing the client's expectations as well as the external factors. 
Yeah. And I think this is, I've seen this in other really amazing project managers that I've worked with. This is a good mark of project management. You know, you're anticipating what might happen and you're establishing contingency plans for these interruptions. I think it's important for junior artists who are listening to start thinking about how they manage your time when working for a company or when they're freelancing. So we've been talking a lot about the big picture of time management, and that's project schedules that span over a couple of weeks and months. And sometimes it's easy to get lost and not know where you are in the process. It's also, and I've been guilty of this, a lot easier to leave all the scheduling to someone else, like my project manager or my boss. At that point, you kind of become a little bit reliant on someone to create your schedule for you. We all need to learn to manage our own schedules, especially when you're working as part of a team. And it's not helpful to be the one that's always late on an assignment or someone who just can't communicate where they are in a project because they're unable to give projections or identify where they are in the process. You just don't want to be that guy. And this probably stems from bad time management as well as a lack of understanding or confidence in their own abilities. Another thing to note is that sometimes your manager or senior member of staff may ask you for an estimate of how long a certain task is going to take. It's just so easy to panic and go, oh, it'll only take me another hour. I'll get to, to ASAP. And it's just, it's not going to take another hour. <laughs> you know, it's not when you're saying it. Most of the time, your manager or senior member of staff don't actually want to hear that. They're not actually asking you to hurry up and get it to them quickly. They genuinely just need a realistic timeline so they can plan other productions. Mm-hmm. It feels so much worse to miss an unrealistic deadline you promised to someone rather than just to take a minute to work it out properly. Maybe give yourself that little extra buffer time for any problems that may arise because they probably will. <laughs> always happens. Totally. Always happens. I think if I'm scheduling a project, if it takes us two days to do something, I'll add on an extra day because what if a computer breaks down or a render freezes mm-hmm. or something like that? You know, just add in those buffer days for yourself or buffer hours if, if it is a tight deadline <laughs> just to get feedback. And I have a story here when I was an art director for a studio back in the day, I worked with this really, really amazing artist who was a real, real professional. He'd been working as a medical illustrator for about 20 years at this point. And this was an interaction just that just made me realize that, wow, this guy had his stuff together. So he would come to me during the day and we'd be like eating an apple or something, just like real casual. Be like, hey, honey, I'm working on that assignment you gave me and I think I'll be done by the end of the day. I know it's ahead of schedule, so I'm just letting you know so you can prepare something for me to move on tomorrow. And then he'd nice. go back to just walk away eating his apple. Real casual. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I want to be that guy. I know. Wow. <laughs> and that was a person which is great time management because he could anticipate and project his tasks. And he actually took other people into consideration on how his schedule would affect them. And it meant that he was giving me enough time to prepare for his next assignment if he should finish his stuff early, you know, because we would block out like for three days, this person will be working on this for three days, then they'll move on to this. So, and it meant that that I could go and talk to other managers in the company and just see, like, see where he could help out with if I didn't have anything for him to work on. And this guy, he was just a real team player. He helped the company loads and he just never seemed stressed for time. Ah, living the dream. It was such a dream. <laughs> I know. And I think it was a lot of it was down to his great time management skills. So earlier, Paul mentioned breaking down your time blocking into further steps. And this is something many junior artists are, are basically trying to figure out. Yeah. So we encourage you to try and record how you're spending your time and it'll just make you better equipped to project your time and manage it better. So what tools or techniques can you both share with the audience for time management on a more personal level? 
So this is what worked well for me when I was a production artist. And this like first thing every morning is I'll open up my calendar or schedule to see if I have any team meetings scheduled for that day or week. It, depending on how you get your assignments, is it via email or is it via Notion or is it via another system? You should always check that, see if you have any notifications. Because the worst thing is you don't want to show up at a meeting with your managers or your project managers and they'll be like, hey, did you see that new assignment come through this morning? Let's talk about that. And you'd be like, um, no, no. No, not yet. Okay, I'll go back and check on that. So you just want to make sure that if you have a meeting in that morning, you're very well prepared for that. Now, if you want to take it a step further and be super professional, I would look ahead in a month to see, okay, what major project milestones are happening for the company as a whole. And this way I can say to myself, okay, if I finish my assignments earlier, I can probably help my teammates or my managers on this project. And that is like a next level up. First, just get good at managing your own time before you start to help others. Once you know what you have to do that week, then you can go in and break down your tasks into smaller milestones. So say um, you are expected to deliver some concept sketches for a client, like a big pharma client at the end of the week. You're not going to spend all eight hours just like sketching, right? You're going to have to break that down into research or something like that. Or uh, then you're going to have to think about, okay, how many concepts do they want? Is it three or five? So it's like, how many hours do I spend on each concept? So you're not just spending five hours on one concept and then you have like all these stick figures mm -hmm. and terrible things that you have to present to a client. Another thing I found to be really helpful on a more personal level is to create and use milestones in my projects. And I have a personal story that might help with this. So Early in 2020, I had to take on a solo project that was really intense. We had recently completed our first in a new series of videos, and given all the time and energy invested in forging this new relationship, we wanted to keep the momentum going. So beginning in April, I took on the task of completing in two months by myself what had just taken four people to do in the same amount of time. Oh, <laughs> Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> I knew this would call for some long days, and I did, in fact, often pull some 16-hour shifts. But even still, I knew I was going to have to make the most out of every minute. The first step was to create an action plan with the total available time distributed into categories based on software. So by looking over my hours I had logged for my previous solo and team videos, I looked at each task not only as a total number of hours, but also as a percentage of the total. And those percentages allowed me to then divide up my current available time into hours available for each task. And now as production moved forward, every day I would tally up my hours and evaluate how each task was coming along. And then as the days progressed, I could see the numbers in certain categories filling up and I knew I would have to wrap up what I was doing there soon. Mm -hmm. I have to mention, there are costs to pushing something through too quickly. After the video launched, I took the weekend off, and when I came back on Monday, I noticed to my horror that the muscles looked like pumpkins. <laughs> I totally did not intend for them to look like this orange color that they ended up. In my mind, I thought they looked like a completely different color. And this is called eye fatigue, folks. <laughs> this is a real thing. If you push the overtime too much, your quality can suffer. One of the things that I actually learned about this after the fact was that professional video editors will routinely take breaks or they will have a solid gray saved in their video production file to occasionally switch over and look to that neutral gray to sort of cleanse their eye. I thought that was oh, pretty yes. cool. 
this project, it was, you know, kind of a boost to my confidence to know I could pull off something like that. But it was also a good lesson in making sure that in the future, I need to prioritize my health and yes. <laughs> do that to get the best results. This means taking appropriate breaks. A great way to ensure that you always do this for yourself is to treat those scheduled breaks the same as you would with a meeting with an important client. It's time you book in your schedule for yourself. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I think your story is a good example of learning to let go at the end of a project as well. I think sometimes perfectionism can creep in and I personally find that it can really interfere with my schedules. And I always think, oh, just stay up a little bit later. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then my health will then get impacted, which will then affect my performance. So it's just really good to stick with these deadlines throughout your production and know that in the end, you did your absolute best within the confines of the production schedule. Mm -hmm. Nothing more you could do. It's all you had. So it's really worth putting in that extra time to create an action plan like Paul described earlier on. If I hadn't made that plan in the beginning, I would have just completely crashed towards the end <laughs> of the project. And yeah, it would have been bad. Earlier, Emily, you mentioned that you only check your emails at certain times of the day. And that kind of protects the rest of the day for you to focus on other tasks. And I want to talk about protected time. And that's time you've put aside for yourself to hyper-focus on tasks. Now, this is also something you can communicate to all of your team members so that they know not to bother you during that time. So sometimes I'll email the team in the morning and say to them, hey, everyone, I'm on this client deadline today. I won't be able to attend the team meeting. Here are my updates. Here's where I'm at. And I'm just requesting some protected time from 9.30 till 3.30. And my team members will know that that time is protected and not to bother me or ask me for anything. And if people do need something, they can either Slack me or email me, but they'll usually say, hey, I know you're on protected time. Once you're free of that, can you help me out with this problem? It's a really nice thing because it gives you permission to say no to last minute requests without having to feel bad about it. And it also gives you time to really hyper-focus on your projects. I know that it's something that... We'll often do as a team because we use Slack, as I'm sure a lot of people do. And even just having the little emoji, like the no, <laughs> like the stop <laughs> emoji or something, just it helps people evaluate, yeah. like, is what I'm asking really important? Or should I just delete this message and not send it and then just wait for that little uh, no, no emoji to go away? <laughs> and we do want to encourage younger artists to maybe try this out when they really, really need to focus on work. And I know us being bosses and managers, we will always reach out to ask for things. Always. Like we, we will always <laughs> lurking in the background. Always for like Ready those creepos. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then we always have last minute requests. So, mm. you know, you as younger artists, you're totally okay to say no to things and, and request for like protected time for an hour or something just so that you can complete your assignments. Man, that's fantastic. I love this idea. It also brings an important concept in time management we haven't gotten to yet, but it's really powerful. And that is prioritizing. So this is laid out really well in the book I mentioned, Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. And it's also in The Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. He talks about this quite a bit. The idea is essentially this, arrange your to-do list in order of priority with the highest priority tasks being the one you've identified as the greatest positive impact on your life. Funny enough, it's probably the things you're also procrastinating on the most. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> but do those first. Do them completely and to the best of your ability. 
Okay. These two ideas—these two ideas, prioritizing and looking for impact—are concepts that a lot of folks in the productivity space espouse. There's a TED talk from a few years back by a fellow by the name of Rory Vaden, and he talks about progression of time management trends over several decades, which leads him to our current time, where he argues the biggest factor and how we spend our time today is significance. What can you do with your time that will have the most significant impact, that will have the longest lasting effects? Hopefully, it will be activities that open new opportunities for you, save you from further frustrations and setbacks, and help you think about how you spend your time in ways that improve the quality of your life for yourself and others. That's how I like to think about how I'll be managing my time in the future. And I hope everyone else will too. That's really great. And I think that's a really nice note to wrap up on. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Paul. Yeah, it's been thanks. really great chatting to you about this. Oh, man. Hopefully it's been really helpful to the listeners. It's been helpful for me. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. And it, this was awesome for me to get to read about your tips as well. This is like super helpful stuff. We're Wonderful. time geeks. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Now, would you like to do a quick summary for our listeners, Annie, of everything that we've discussed? Sure thing, Emily. So today we talked about a couple of time management tips and scenarios. Number one, we discussed how time management affects everyone, not just our supervisors or bosses. Number two, we chatted about how multitasking isn't quite what it seems (laughs) and how to say no. Number three, we shared some tips on how to manage external factors. And four, we also shared some time tracking tools like Office Time, Toggle, Harvest, and even Notion. Number five, time visualization is a great technique for projecting how long you'll need on certain tasks. And number six, we shared how this feeds into personal time tracking. Number seven, this also all feeds into your skill in setting measurable milestones and goals. And number eight, we shared how you can ask for protected time to get the work done. And number nine, we ended with a great insight into prioritizing your work. That's great. Thanks, Annie. And thank you, Paul, for being here today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our Learn Medical Art podcast. You can find our show notes and resources from this episode on our website, www.learnmedical.art. Give us a follow on social media at Learn Medical Art. And if you want to get in touch, you can reach us via our website or send us a direct message. If you like this episode, go ahead, leave us a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay tuned for our next episode where you share more tips, tricks, and advice on working in the medical illustration and animation industry.